You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. Grace Kelly's style, beauty, and poise inspired not one, but two famous handbags. Of course, there is the famed Hermes Kelly bag, but American luxury brand Mark Cross also named a bag after the American actress turned princess who defied 1950s Hollywood style. The Grace bag, now popular with celebrities like Angelina Jolie, Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, and Rihanna, became famous after its appearance in the 1954 movie Rear Window, directed by Alfred Hitchcock and starring Kelly and James Stewart. The 176-year-old Mark Cross flourished in the early half of the 20th century, and there was a moment in the 70s and 80s where Mark Cross had 23 retail stores across America. But by 1997, the brand lost its luster, and its then-owner Sara Lee Corporation, yes, the bakery giant, shut down the brand. In 2011, New York entrepreneur and fashion retailer Neil J. Fox saw potential in Mark Cross, and reintroduced the iconic brand to today's market, hoping to uphold the same curiosity and passion as it had years ago. In 2018, Fox was succeeded at the helm of Mark Cross by my guest today on The Luxury Item. Ulrich Gardedu is president and CEO of Mark Cross, America's oldest luxury brand. With more than 25 years of experience in luxury consumer goods, Ulrich Gardedu's reputation of building and reviving major consumer brands and leading change led him to his current position taking Mark Cross into the future. Welcome to the luxury item, Ulrich. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. You know, so when you took over the helm of the company in late 2018, you said you wanted to evolve Mark Cross into a lifestyle brand. What did you see in this storied 176-year-old American heritage brand and its DNA that showed untapped potential? Well, Scott, as you know, um, my career has been very much about repositioning heritage brands, uh, but never out of America. I, I worked with the repositioning and revival of Burberry, of Celine uh, in Paris, and then the, the Danish George Jensen. So for me as a native Dane to have this privilege of really working with the oldest American luxury accessory brand was, was a fascinating to, to start with. And when I looked at the history and the positioning of my cross over the many years, it, it really, for me, was a sleeping beauty that was, was lying there waiting to, to be awakened. I don't know whether you're aware, but, but the brand actually was shut down uh, at the end of last century. Right. At the time they had a loan in the U.S. Sarah Lee uh, did that. Exactly. Um, and they had a loan in the U.S. 23 stores at that time. So, so a prominent positioning in its home market as well as internationally. And I don't see today, perhaps you can help me out, but which other American luxury lifestyle brands out there with such a long heritage and then authentic heritage as we have is really exists. Yeah. So for me, there, there was a niche to, um, to be filled. And I think we have the, our full rights to, to, to be the one who does that. Yeah. And you, like you said, it, 
Mark Cross is one of those sleeping beauty brands, you know, for our listeners, it's brands that have been dormant for a while, but retain potential brand equity that can be conjured up in the minds of consumers by basically re-articulating the brand's heritage through new product offerings. And sometimes brand revivals are met with mixed results. So what is your revival strategy around a heritage brand like Mark Cross? Well, very right what you're saying, because I, I think some heritage brands um, deserve to be revived and to, to have a relevance to the consumer out there today. Some don't. But when I look at Mark Cross's heritage and history, there have been moments that I think are more relevant than ever, actually, uh, to the consumer today. So very briefly, because it, it's interesting to think about what those are. And, and the most important is, of course, the, the Hitchcock moment um, mm-hmm. with Grace Kelly, where she's opening this beautiful uh, Mark Cross bag. And that was a key moment for, for the brand. And then there was the Sarah and Gerald Murphy, you know, the owners in the 20s of um, Mark Cross that really was heading up the lost generation at the time and surrounded by the most incredible artists, um, Hemingway, Fitzgerald, Picasso, etc. And their lifestyle, I find so incredibly inspiring, this bohemian, chic, American, and therefore with a, with a very strong, sophisticated, casual approach to the way they were living. But it was very true, it was, it was very real, it was very family-oriented. And I think a lot of young people and including myself, even at my age, I I really find that so inspiring to see how the owners of the brand was was managing the business whilst having this incredible lifestyle. And and, um, that's something I think we all can learn and and aspire to. And, you know, consumers' expectations, no question, are much higher now for heritage brands than with new brands. You know, they kind of have, have room to fail. But a luxury heritage house may need to take its time to establish what it wants to be and where it wants to go. So are you looking to take more of a slow burn approach with Marcros? Mm, it's a good question. I think uh, slow pace is difficult in, in today's world. I think there are a couple of approaches to that. I think from a product development point of view, we can have a pace that is slower than kind of fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and more young gun and contemporary brands. We have, you know, a very clear line between what we call our core, uh, our icon products that we keep editing and that we keep renewing. And then the percentage of what level of newness that is needed every season. So I think that's a great benefit that we can take the time to develop new product, but do it in depth and not do too much of it whilst we continuously leverage on our strong heritage uh, products. But then the digital era that we all live in, you know, of course, makes us in, in living in a, a very competitive environment. Right. Um, so from that point of view, we have to be very agile and, and innovative and really have the finger on the pulse to follow the consumer, you know, and, and being able to service them in this omnichannel environment uh, that is becoming completely transparent now. So from that point of view, it's, it's really important to, um, to be very proactive and, and fast moving. 
And in late 2019, several months before the pandemic shut everything down in March 2020, Mark Cross opened its first standalone boutique in decades. It was right here in New York City on Madison Avenue. It represented a, a significant shift in its overall retail strategy that had previously focused solely on wholesale and e-commerce. What role do you see the physical store playing in the overall strategy? I think it's incredible, important, and, and it was my, my first um, larger initiative since I joined. First of all, to, to replatform completely our website and then to open our first uh, physical space uh, on Madison Avenue. And I think at, at our price point, with our quality, with the history that we have to tell, it is absolutely key to have a physical presence. And we see a, a beautiful, seamless way of servicing the customer on and offline uh, today from the flagship store. And the experience that you have when you walk into our store is, is very much, uh, much about, of course, telling our story, but having this experience of, I, I like to call it a gallery more than a store. So it's, it's really about accommodating, you know, the artists in residence that we work with to constantly have a new visual aspect of the brand that hopefully is engaging and, and inspiring. And that's very, very important. And, and you know, the touch and feel of a, a product of our quality is, is very, very important. What are you hearing from customers now that are coming into the store? What are they saying? I mean, two, two major reactions. One is, wow, fantastic, you are back. Mm -hmm. uh, because a, a lot of people will remember our flagship store uh, from the Fifth Avenue location that was shut down in the 90s. And I'm really thrilled to see that we are back in, in a modern and a new way. And then a new customer coming in, discovering Mark Cross, not only domestic, but also internationally, being very excited about, you know, our rich history and, and our, our beautiful products. You know, spurred on the, partly by the pandemic, many luxury brands started leaning heavily into heritage. And people appreciate the safety and prestige of heritage. And heritage can convey a return to the past, and that can be emotionally soothing. Did Mark Cross turn up the heritage messaging during the pandemic? It's a, it's a good question. I think in, in the revivals or repositionings of, of heritage brands that I've been part of in my career, I, I always find the biggest challenge of telling your story, but not sound like a history book. Right. Uh, and finding that balance, you know, merged with relevance and, and newness and excitement. I do think the pandemic kind of have accelerated some trends that were already in motions. And this growing antipathy towards, you know, fashion related waste has really been accelerated, uh, which I find very positive. Hence, a, a great opportunity for us to insist on our beautiful history and, and our very, you know, beautiful quality. All our products are made out of beautiful craftsmanship based in Italy. And that exquisite quality uh, mixed with our heritage have been points that we very much include in our messaging and then merged with, you know, a more modern and, and more dynamic messaging at the same time, which, which you perfectly can do. I mean, I, I often compare the period that, that we have lived in the past two years and, and to a certain extent still are living in to the financial crisis in 2008. At that time, I was the CEO of George Jensen. At that time, 
similar to what we are seeing now, consumers return more quickly to that quality, timeless goods or products uh, expression rather than fashion forward pieces. And, and we see that to a great extent. People who comes in literally and say, you know, I want to buy a Mark Cross bag because it's such an incredible investment piece. It, it's minimalist uh, in its own way and it, it kind of has this last forever. So, so the value proposition that we stand for uh, making high quality and, and understated timeless design is more relevant in my point of view than ever. And, and we see that very much also with a younger consumer. And Mark Cross was just starting a new chapter when COVID hit and you were very focused on building a consumer centric digital first strategy at the time. So when the virus started ravaging New York and closures were imminent, how did you start rethinking your business model and digital strategies? Well, thank God we, we had already started our uh, execution of that strategy, which, mm-hmm. which helped us tremendously. So as I mentioned, we had already completely replatformed our website. So, so that obviously was of, of great help um, to service the customer online. But then we, we also found ways to service the, the customer with the level of service that we can offer in our own flagship store digitally and, and virtually. So tapping in, for example, to a, a software like like Hero uh, and that service where your sales staffs in the store can virtually service your customer and, and via WeChat or other devices. And with that, we, we have seen and, and are still seeing an incredible success. Hero is one out of, of many offerings out there, but, but that has been a good example of how we have embraced new ways of servicing the customer also during the pandemic. Did you have to retrain the sales associates? Yeah, there have been a, a certain level of, of training necessary. But, but for me, when I joined Mark Cross with a new hired leadership team, it, it has very much been in our culture to have um, the digital aspect embedded in our, in our strategy and the way that we, we service the customer. You know, you said on another show that Mark Cross is targeting both millennial Henry's and for listeners that stands for high earners, not rich yet, and Gen Z. It seems social currency is what rules their brand choices. You know, being authentic isn't enough. How does Mark Cross lean into its rich heritage yet participate in the larger cultural conversation? I think it's very important to continuously define what luxury means and what, what luxury heritage products means. And for me, a luxury product is, is uh, having another function just before, beyond usage, which is about the emotions. You know, right. uh, when it comes to it, a bag is a bag. So it's, it's more about what gives you pleasure. And I think very much for, for the audience you're just describing, whether we call it Henry's or, or the Gen Z, it's less and less about what they have, but more about who they are as an individual. And I think that's very important for us also as a, as a heritage brand, again, to give it that authentic messaging when we market ourselves with a great quality price ratio product, but at the same time, making it super relevant and functional in defining uh, what that person is about. A, a way that we do this is very much engaging with upcoming artists. So, and again, similar to 
to what I mentioned about Gerald and Sarah Murphy, um, who were surrounded by the, the greatest artists of the time. I feel that it is kind of in our DNA to continuously support the artists as they did back in the time. And with the artists in, in residence program, we, we are dealing with all type of diverse, um, multicultural artists that comes in and give their point of view of our brand and help us continuously in, in making the brand um, exciting and innovative and, and also brings in communities of uh, new potential customers that we perhaps wouldn't have had if we didn't collaborate and support these young artists. Do you think it's helpful that many young customers are not familiar with the Marcross brand? Uh, I like to turn things into a positive. I think it's a great opportunity, but obviously it also demands that we are um, uh, very proactive in terms of our messaging and how we reach that new customer. So there's an educational process that, of course, demands investment and demands us to tap into uh, new communities. And that's why it's so important that we also, through collaborations and partnerships, uh, work with people who can support bringing our, our great story out to this new audience. And one way Mark Cross is targeting younger audiences is jumping into the resale economy. You launched a dedicated vintage platform, a first for a luxury handbag brand, and taking control of the authentication process. You know, you also recently launched a section on the real reel to sell vintage handbags. Are you happy with how your resale strategy is going so far? I was super happy and, and somehow, well, proud, but at the same time surprised that we were the first luxury accessory brand who launched our own vintage website. So it's a section of our website where we, we trade vintage products. So we buy them from customers and, and resell them. Some products we keep in our archives and some are used greatly as inspiration to our design team. But surprising that very few luxury brands still have not taken kind of ownership of, of their ecosystem really right and of this channel that we are seeing very beneficial both from a very revenue point of view but also to attract that younger customer often we are talking about you know who, who comes in and there may be two reasons you know either they love the feel of a vintage bag um, or vintage product or from a price tag point of view, they, they prefer to start with a vintage product and then eventually convert into to full price newer products. But, but we are seeing great traction there. Interesting enough, a great percentage of our vintage web users are ending up buying products at full price. Uh, about 20%. Um, oh yeah, because I was going to ask you if it was cannibalizing any of the new bags. I, I haven't seen that at the country. You know, we, we're seeing a great and can obviously measure that traction to the vintage website, which ends up converting at, at full price. I definitely think it's the way forward. But as, as you referred to, we, we are also dealing with third party channels uh, within the, the vintage. Uh, so, so I'm not at all against that at the country. So we have, for example, this great partnership with The Real Real. But I'm, I'm very pleased so far with the results and the control that we have gained over big part at least of the the beautiful vintage Mark Cross products that are out there. And you also invested in a Copenhagen-based technology firm to create this digital passport for the Mark Cross menswear range. 
How does the digital passport work exactly? So that that was another initiative that that we started back in in 19, and it was really to document the the full path of our Mark Cross product. So what happens is a, a, a customer can come in, buy a Mark Cross product, and will automatically with it have uh, this digital passport that that is linked to. Um, a company called the True Twins. And that, first of all, of course, gives it proof of authenticity. It gives, you know, the customer access to to repair services, product valuation services, and, and then potentially to sell the, the product on, on the vintage, vintage website or, or elsewhere later on. It gives, first of all, this possibility of following the path of the product and then to a great extent also of giving it the, the transparency of how the product is made, which, which again, I think is very important and, and will become more and more important to really show the, the consumer the quality and, and the sourcing of our products in details with, with great transparency. There's a digital chip inside, right? Is that how it works? It's a digital chip, exactly, yeah. built in. So embedding sustainability yeah. into the operations has been a focal point of yours. You said in an interview that in order to be true to our mission and to the vision of Mark Cross's future, we have to make sure that we are, from a sustainability point of view, acting in a respectful way. What did you mean by that? Well, we have always been a, a brand that, that cares about sustainability, but a big difference is in last century, you really didn't talk about it. But the way that we are and always have been kind of supporting a slow fashion cycle, making quality, long-lasting, timeless products in itself, you can say, is, is a great way of, of being uh, respectful and, and, and sustainable. So that longevity that our products represent and the inherent resale value of each of our pieces are, are both very important assets to our value proposition. And that's something that we continuously work on through the, the right sourcing of our products. And, and that will always be in our, our DNA. I believe very much also in, in the way that the consumer perceive the, the Macross brand that is, is very, very healthy and, and becomes in its own way <laughs> more and more relevant in today's world. And more fashion brands are championing uh, animal leather alternatives like mushroom leather. Are you exploring possibly using vegan alternatives to future products? We are. We are, we are very much uh, looking into, into that. We will be announcing next year some exciting developments within that arena. It's still early stage. I think there are a lot of, of both on the vegan side, but also on the lab leather side, there are, there's a lot of experiments being done at the moment. And, and we are, we're talking to some of the specialists within that arena. So as soon as we feel that uh, the time is right and that we kind of can tick all the boxes in, in, in starting to trade in, in this arena, we will absolutely do it. it. It will for sure be an important part of our future product development. Early December of last year, right around this time, Mark Cross made its debut on Amazon's invitation-only luxury stores platform with a holiday gifting guide. Other high-end brands were on board with the platform as well. 
And even though Amazon is the dominant force in e-commerce, it hasn't convinced many luxury brands to join in on its online marketplace. Now, why did you decide to join Amazon's luxury stores? And did you have any concerns that Amazon might dilute the Marcross luxury brand image? So far, we don't believe we have seen any dilution at the country. And that was the main reason why we joined the Amazon luxury venture, let's call it, was to get more exposure with our very carefully selected. So so as you say, we launched with a gifting proposition and are continuously having a very specific edited selection of our full collection. So it's only certain products that you will find on the Amazon Luxury. But at the same time, being able to use their credible uh, data and, and get the exposure through this luxury platform has been very interesting for us in this um, relaunch of the Macross label. So are you still on the store? Yeah, we're okay. still there. And we have, again, this season, a, a specific gifting proposition um, uh, during this holiday season period. So what can we look forward to in 2022 for Marcross? So, so lots going on. Uh, <laughs> we are in February launching our latest uh, artist in residence called Helene Nepomiasi, working out of Paris and who has been taking our kind of crown jewel in the rear window iconic bag from, from the film I referred to before yep. um, with Grace Kelly and the Hitchcock movie. And she has taken that bag, uh, made it into a softer version. It's a theme that is really celebrating um, New York uh, with a lot of kind of iconic symbols from New York being it the, the fire stairs or the brick buildings and created this amazing, um, quite small collection, very edited, but, but with great unisex tote bags, um, fun small accessories, including scarves and key rings and pendants and really an incredible, um, again, uh, hopefully proving exactly what I've been saying, that, that taking you know this beautiful, iconic, uh, rear window back and then turn it into a a very colorful vibrant modern collection inspired by by that beautiful moment in 1954 so looking forward to that that will launch um, in the stores in february we have just hired in september a new creative director and a new design team um, and they are as we speak working on our fall 22 collection and you will see a, a very different and new and fresh point of view of some new themes that we'll be working with within both men's and women's bags and accessories. Mm -hmm. So you can look forward to that. Uh, and again, a lot of innovation, a lot of new thinking and working very closely with, with our Italian craftsmen. So very excited about that. And then we have quite a few collaborations and, and partnerships coming up that we will soon be, be announcing, including uh, some new artists for our Artist in Residence program. We have a pop-up rollout program. So I believe very much in, in not necessarily long-term heavy commitment to, to real estate in some of the luxury streets in, in mm -hmm. the key capitals around the world, but more 
testing uh, new markets with pop-ups either through our great wholesale partners or, or directly. And those pop-ups will very much reflect these different collaborations I've been talking about and these, let's call it capsule uh, themes that, that keeps the brand innovative and, and exciting. And with that, always, you know, we are, we are working on marketing uh, plans with a 360 degree um, um, implementation. So, so, of course, the digital and, and the whole content creation side is, is very important in, in all of these launches. Do you think you'll be investing um, more in uh, digital marketing next year? Definitely, both in digital marketing, but but also in the enhancement of analyzing data and and understanding who our customer is and and uh, who we are targeting and and becoming more and more sophisticated about our whole CIM and and customer service and and um, and follow through. So quite a bit of investment will continuously go on there. And then the last important point is is probably our. Uh, geographic expansion, um, especially looking towards China, where we this year have started to to plant seeds uh, to tap into that very isolated, closed ecosystem. Are they familiar with the Mark Cross brand? Uh, they are starting to be. We are seeing great traction, and and great traction is very interesting from a very exclusive, uh, sophisticated customer who doesn't necessarily want a luxury brand that everybody has. So our kind of niche positioning is at this point a benefit to us because we we still are somehow new to the market and and somebody well-educated and and who understands how exciting it is to to be part of our story really um, buys into it. And then in parallel with that, we're also seeing a much younger and person that is very much driven by social media and who's carrying our bags, influencer programs, etc. But who also sees an interesting, both a great traction to our icon callbacks, but also to our our very new bags. For example, what we'll be coming out with in in the open the window theme this February. So it's kind of an interesting mix, but a lot of, of more work is, is going to be built into to our expansion plan executions in, in mainland China. So Ulrich, my final question is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only have one single luxury item with you, what luxury item would that be? It can't be any form of air transportation to get you off that island or anything that requires mobile service so you can call somebody to get you off that island. It's just you, sand, a few palm trees surrounded by water. What would that one luxury item be? So the island is completely deserted? Completely. Okay. Um, Then I would definitely bring, (laughs) if I had the choice, my, my beautiful vintage aquarelle drawing set that I was so f- fortunate to get my hands on. It was it was a um, customer who, who um, came through our flagship store with this incredible little, really, it is a travel set where you can have your acryl powder in these small bottles in, in this leather cover. You can just imagine somebody sitting on the, well, 
Titanic or <laughs> on a cruise ship uh, back at the time and, and doing, you know, the beautiful aquarel drawings um, uh, during transportation or during traveling. I, I guess that would be a very helpful thing to have to, to stay sane on your deserted island. Ulrich Gardadu, president and CEO of Mark Cross. Thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item and good luck in 2022. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.